Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uri here. We have a very special guest tonight. I have Zach Chavalella, site expert of the Royal Pain, as well as the managing editor of Philly Sports Network. Zach, so glad to have you on tonight, man. Glad that you could join us and glad that you are willing to give us your perspective as both covering the Kings and a Sixers fan at heart. I I appreciate that, Lucas. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here, you know, with you, Uriah, Chris. You know, I've uh, uh, enjoyed the work that you guys have been putting out for a while. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We're super excited to talk about the Kings with you. I think the obvious point that we're going to start with is all this stuff going on with Ben Simmons. I don't think there's yeah. been a team more mentioned with in connection to Ben than Sacramento at this point. I think they're kind of the team everyone's looking at um, with guys like De'Aaron Fox. You know, his trade rumors are piling up now. Halliburton supposedly available. Um, but let's just start from ground zero, Zach. Where is Sacramento as a franchise right now, and what does their immediate future look like? Yeah, you know, it's a really good question. Uh, the Kings are <laughs> kind of where they've been for for a while now. Uh, when you talk about where they are as a franchise, and and that's they're, they're trying to make the playoffs. You know, that's uh, that's been the goal for a number of years. Uh, you know, Monty McNair, uh, he was even just on um, Dave Carmichael's show talking about you know what what the goal is and. Uh, you know, reiterated just like he, he spoke at the beginning of the season that the the goal this year is to make the playoffs. And as poor as the Kings' record is, and uh, as badly as the teams performed, it's it's still somewhat just with the play in tournament and and how that's kind of changed everything in the NBA. So, uh, you know, it's it's kind of still same old same old, just trying to find somehow some way to make the playoffs, and uh, that likely will involve a trade at the deadline. Yeah, you bring up a, a trade at the deadline. I think I think you guys are one star away. I, I honest, first off, I don't think you guys should have given up on Boogie Cousins. I think that was a mistake. I agree. Um, but more importantly, you are a star away. You have you have a nece- the necessary pieces to get a star. Um, for most teams, Sixers is a little bit complicated situation, but I you know we'll definitely talk about that that as we go. Longest playoff off drought in NBA history, I believe, or at least the most longest active playoff drought. I don't know if it's longest period. I, I think so, but or yeah. we're approaching it. It's um, mind-numbingly long. Is it's really all that just, matters to people in it, Sacramento? Yeah, and then the thing is, just night. The what's even worse is just the inability to hit on draft picks. You guys have been in a lottery for and near the top of the lottery for mm-hmm. a long time. And outside of DeMarcus Cousins and Isaiah Thomas, who was literally the 
last pick of the draft. You guys have not done very well in the draft, except for maybe De'Aaron Fox, who we'll get into, and Tyrese Halliburton, who should not have fallen to you guys. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think that's that's a, a very fair point. You know, you look at guys like, uh, you know, Bismack Biombo, who was obviously involved in that trade with Charlotte, uh, Thomas Robinson, Ben McLemore, Nick Stauskas, Willie, Willie Cauley. So I'm literally just going down the list. These are all top 10 picks uh, that have really, really not panned out for Sacramento. Uh, you know, what I will say is that the one thing that has been impressive in Montemayor's uh, short career with the Kings has been his ability to draft. Uh, you know, you look at the, the the picks going back starting last season. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton obviously has been a fantastic pick. I fully agree with you. He should not have fallen to 12. He should have gone to the Suns. He should have gone to oh the Suns. He should have gone to the Knicks. I mean, there's so Or the Pistons. Pistons. The Pistons because they got, K- yeah, Killian Hayes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I, and I think that Halliburton, you know, obviously Cade is um, – <laughs> some type of point guardish, you know, in some people's minds, but mm-hmm. uh, kind of like how I think Halliburton and Simmons could work really well together. I feel the same way about Caden Halliburton. So, uh, you know, kind of just the the benefit of having a player. Uh, my personal opinion of Tyrese Halliburton is that he's Malcolm Brogdon plus. Uh, or yeah. at least that's his ceiling. I, I so, think I think that's a fair comparison. Yeah, it's just a real kind of plug and play guy that, you know, you can have, he, he can do just about anything and, you know, maybe he he doesn't have an All NBA, uh, borderline All Star though. Yeah, a borderline All Star. I think Halliburton will be an All Star. You know, I don't know if Brogdon ever gets there. The injuries obviously are a factor, but uh, you know, I think Halliburton is. is that's why I, I had that plus is that I think that he can mm-hmm. get that next notch above. Uh, so you look at at Halliburton. Uh, you know, you look at Davion Mitchell's performed very well so far. Um, let me ask uh, Keita, You know, in very limited minutes uh was impressive the other night so uh it, it seems as though the drafting is finally starting to turn around uh you know with with monty mcnair you know at the helm obviously he wasn't uh <laughs> yeah i mean the Mag- marvin bagley situation happened but but under mcnair things have been much better so that's that's kind of a sign for hope in the future so yeah friday night i am a room creator for clubhouse specifically mm-hmm. for the sixers and toward the end of the Celtics game, just randomly, and that's what I love about Clubhouse, we had a Sacramento Kings fan jump in the room. It was fascinating to me. <laughs> so we're like, you know, happy about just taking down the Celtics. And here comes a Sacramento right. fan, and he just started basically blasting his own team. Of course, he's interested because Ben Simmons is in trade talks with Sacramento and the Sixers. Mm-hmm. And he basically was saying about the franchise, like, look, we've been suffering with the whole idea of you know, trying to come out from the doldrums of, you know, the years when they had Chris Webber and, and, and uh, you know, Vladi Divac, talking about over a decade ago. And he was saying he was kind of jealous of the Sixers in that, you know, the whole process. Like he kind of wishes that the Sacramento yeah. Kings had lost on purpose like the Sixers did so they could get higher draft picks. So he was he was comparing their situation, which was despondent to the Sixers, and it seems like he is willing to take Ben Simmons and offload some of the, I guess, the baggage, I guess you could say, that Sacramento has. Sure, yeah. You know, the higher free agency contracts, things such as that. Um, you know, e- even just some of the negative association that the organization has with some of their uh, currently rostered players. Uh, you know, when you talk about the Kings and, uh, you know, when you talk about Kings fans and the Sixers fans, 
Uh, one thing that I noticed, uh, I, I grew up a Sixers fan, right? Uh, so I, I've been, you know, through the process. Uh, I came into basketball a little bit towards the tail end of Iverson, but really kind of fell in love right when Drew Holiday was drafted, right? So there wasn't that much of a time. I had basically Doug Collins and then the process. Uh, process years were tough. Any Sixers fan can tell you that, obviously. Are we happy with where it ended up? Sure, absolutely. When I think about Kings fans and, and how, you know, getting to know them and everything such as that is that they are, as much as it feels like we're the most long-suffering fan base sometimes, I, you know, they're, they're an even more so long-suffering fan base. And, you know, they never had that that moment of satisfaction where you get a Joel Embiid and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you know, yes, they had DeMarcus Cousins fall to them in that one draft, but uh, after that, it was just a, a series of mistake after mistake. And not unlike Philadelphia, you know, where we went through the Markel Fultz debacle and obviously now they were going through with Simmons, but, uh, you know, we were able to turn that into regular season success and even some postseason success, whereas Sacramento never had that, you know, they never reached that peak and mm-hmm. that's kind of added to the frustration. So it's not, in my opinion, from what I've seen uh, among the Sacramento Kings fan base, an uncommon opinion to say, you know, at, at some point we should have had uh, a process take place, you know, whether that was years ago, whether that's, you know, some people are even saying right now, you know, kind of tear it down except for, you know, A, B or C player or picks and kind of start over. You know, it's it's not exactly uncommon. Uh, what I am starting to see is a little bit of pushback on Ben Simmons now, oddly enough. So, you know, Lucas, when, when we started, you mentioned how, how much sense Ben Simmons makes with the Sacramento Kings. And I think you're exactly correct about that. I mean, when, when you look at it from kind of every angle, uh, you know, he doesn't want to be in Philadelphia. And when you look at Sacramento, they really need a star, you know, someone who's that next level above where De'Aaron's at right now. And he's young, he's 24, but someone who's above that to kind of take them, will them to the playoffs. So it looks like on every angle, it's starting to, you know, it makes perfect sense. However, it's starting to seem like, and this isn't necessarily my personal opinion, just what I've noticed from the fans is that the <laughs> the baggage that comes along with Ben Simmons is starting to negatively impact the opinion on whether or not they should obtain him more and more. Uh, mm. and, and that's not necessarily the front office. That's again with the fan base. And, and it's kind of not helped by the addition of players who are becoming available uh, as, as time goes on, you know, now we've heard Jalen Brown rumblings, John Collins rumblings, obviously the monastic bonus rumors have been going on all year. So, so uh, let me, let me jump in here. Real, yeah, let me jump yeah. in here real quick, Zach. So what exactly do you mean? And I'm not stepping on Chris's toes at all. It just seems like Zach is kind of weaving naturally into the flow of the, the agenda, but I'll just put this out there. What do you specifically mean that like the fans are picking up on some baggage with Benson's? What do you mean by that? What are they saying? Well, all right. So, not that this is the end all be all, but this is just, you know, it's what they call the court of public opinion. Right. So thinking specifically about like, um, you know, a lot of us are, are, are pretty involved on Twitter and we all know how NBA Twitter is. It's nonsensical. It's, it's ludicrous. It's ridiculous. Uh, but there's this consensus uh, by, by so many out there who, you know, they're just throwing stuff to the wall and see what sticks that, you know, Ben Simmons is not, <laughs> He, he obviously has faults, but that he's, he's borderline not good, that they would rather have player X, Y, or Z over Ben Simmons. And and, and most of it goes way overboard. 
Uh, but you know, you're, you're seeing that a little bit with Sacramento Kings fans where it's not quite as ludicrous as, Oh, Ben Simmons is a bum. You're like, obviously we all know Ben Simmons is not a bum. He's a three-time all-star, you know, he's perennial defensive player of the year. Uh, but as we kind of see these other names start to unfold, it's looking less and less like Ben Simmons is the only option to Sacramento fans, which is true. And it's starting to more so have the effect of, well, Ben Simmons has all these, you know, you know, Ben Simmons is a quote unquote selfish player. Ben Simmons doesn't want to play with his teammates, this, that, the other thing, you know, I'd rather go after a guy like Brandon Ingram who he's playing right now. He's playing at a high level, you know, Jalen Brown, who's, who's absolutely killing it right now, but might be available. Uh, so it's it's really, I think, just an effect of Simmons' holdout, first and foremost, uh, and the way that he kind of left things between the postseason and uh, the beginning part of the offseason. You, you bring in a good point there. And my rebuttal to the fan ba- Sacramento Kings fan base is this. Out of all the stars that could or are becoming available, Ben Simmons is the easiest one for you guys to obtain for several reasons. One, the relationship between the front offices is there. McNair used to work for Daryl Morey. There's a clear pattern of connection there that should help negotiate smoothly. Secondly, Ben Simmons wants to be in California. The other three teams seem unlikely due to salary cap implications or just fit, really. So the Kings make sense that way. Then you guys could have, I, I, as a Sixers fan, I don't like this, but in, as an NBA analyst, I have to look at it logically. You wouldn't have to pay as much for Simmons as you would those other guys. Brandon Ingram, as much as I would love to get him out of New Orleans, probably isn't going anywhere this season, unless there's a three-team trade. Yeah. Um, Jalen Brown, your point guards are not good enough to pry him away from Jason Tatum. It is what it is. Nothing personal. Like John Collins, they already have a point guard. That's not happening. Like Buddy Heald is, you know, you talked about, you mentioned his bad attitude. Well, guess what? He's he's a sniper. That's true. But he doesn't do anything else. His value is very low and his contract is not great. Yeah, let's just dive into the specifics here from Sacramento's perspective. Obviously, the Ben Simmons rumors are very real, whether the fans like it or not. Oh, absolutely. It, it seems like those conversations are ongoing at some level between the two teams, Zach. So who on Sacramento's roster right now, if you're narrowing down a potential Ben Simmons trade package, who do you think is the least likely to be included in that kind of conversation? Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, first and foremost, I absolutely agree. The conversations are happening. I think that's clear as day. There's still many conversations going on between the Sixers and the Kings, uh, revolving around Ben Simmons. You know, we've seen many, whether it's Semimic from The Athletic or whomever else, we've seen many talk about this. It's happening. Now, when we talk about who is available versus who is not available, I think the least likely player to get traded might be Tyrese Halliburton at the moment. And that's Ooh. a combination Ooh. of contract. That's a combination of age, uh, lack of limitations, you know, I, I hate to say it because Tyrese Halliburton is the player that Philadelphia fans would want on their team the most, obviously. Uh, but there's a good reason for that. And that's the same reason why the Sacramento Kings would probably prefer to hold on to Tyrese Halliburton as well. You, you bring uh, up Halliburton. Oh, so, Chris, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think that's kind of where there's an interesting disconnect here because the general consensus is that I think Kings fans obviously would like to swap 
Fox for Simmons, or I think that would be more interesting to them. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Philly, I, just based on reporting from guys like Kyle Newbeck, it's pretty clear that they would prefer Halliburton if a Kings package yeah. is where they're going to end up. Yeah. So I, I think that's pretty fascinating. Obviously, Daryl Morey hasn't at least publicly come down on his very high demands in a Ben Simmons trade. So the Kings don't have, like you said, a ready-made all-star, which is what mm-hmm. Maury has been projecting all since the summer. But I, I do think that's interesting because I just don't know if Philly does a trade if it's not Tyrese Halliburton. And I'm, I, it feels like the Kings are the more desperate team right now. And like Halliburton's great. Ben Simmons is several levels above him at the moment mm-hmm. still. So I, it's an interesting point and I, I i'd be interested to see how that plays out and obviously the reason why sixers fans wouldn't want fox is due to the fit mm-hmm. the fit the fit be, that's the reason why halliburton makes sense he can play off the ball he can defend which is a great combination with maxi and you could argue right now that between fox and maxi they're playing close to the same level and maxi has a much higher upside so why fox it, it doesn't make sense for philly unless there's a third team involved. Yeah, and the third team involvement, I mean, that's something that we've heard a few times. Uh, I, I believe Newbeck touched on that a little bit. Um, you know, there, there, there's been a few other people who have mentioned whether it's the Sixers are looking for a third team or they're just flat out not interested in Fox. And uh, it's, it's not an indictment on Fox's talent. It's purely about fit. You know, when you think about De'Aaron Fox, there's a lot of tendencies that are repetitive with Tyrese Maxey, who the Sixers are very high on. Uh, you know, Maxi has a bit more of an expanded game, I'll say, than Fox. Uh, though he's not quite at that level yet, he certainly has has fantastic ceiling, Tyrese Maxi, and I think that he can definitely get there and, and possibly even above. But at the moment, you know, De'Aaron Fox is the better player, but you have to wonder they're just going to keep undercutting each other. You know, how exactly does that backcourt work together? How does Fox's lack of spacing work with Joel Embiid you know so, we, we saw that issue with Ben Simmons and Fox is more of a willing shooter but he's not uh, a good shooter by any means yeah and I, I think the best way to look at it is like look at Tyrese Maxey's role right now this is a team built around Joel Embiid and rightfully so that's the best way to win but we're already having conversations about how Maxey isn't really utilized to his full potential. Some of that's on Mm -hmm. Doc, but some of that's just, he's not really naturally the best fit with Joel and Fox. There's overlap with Maxi. You try to play those two guys together with Joel. Neither one of them is going to be maximized. I think Halliburton, someone you could very easily maximize within Philly system. His skill set is a much cleaner fit. As you both said, he's much more of a connective tissue guy rather than someone who needs the ball in his hands and dominates possessions. So I, I think, that I think that's, you know, why Fox probably isn't the best option on the table right now. Um, yeah, and I think that's why Halliburton has, you know, one of the reasons why Halliburton has so much value across the NBA is that uh, ability to just slide seamlessly into just about any offense. Uh, so it's <laughs> it's the reason why the Sixers want him. It's the reason why the Kings want to keep him. Obviously, if there is a trade eventually, at least one of Fox and Halliburton is probably going to be included. But for you, Zach, what are some other players that are likely to be included in such a trade um, for Sacramento? Yeah, well, I mean, in any kind of deal, the the Kings are heavily looking to deal Buddy Heald first and foremost. Uh, You know, Marvin Bagley as well. 
that is a little bit more of a tricky situation. Uh, you know, what he has going for him is that he's got a, a decent sized cap number and, and uh, he's not on the, the books for any year past this year. Uh, you're not necessarily getting plus value for Bagley. Um, he, he's really just kind of salary filler at this point, but he's definitely one of the names at the top of the list. And similar for Buddy Heald, you know, you're looking at a guy who, uh, you know, he's making a decent enough number so you can attach him to, you know, I mean, if it does end up being Halliburton, you can attach him to Halliburton. You can attach him to picks, whatever the case may be, uh, and bring back a player on a sizable deal back. So if we're talking about a deal for Ben Simmons, you know, do I think that Bagley and Heel is going to happen for Ben Simmons? Absolutely not. I, personally, I think that's ludicrous. I think it's always been crazy. Uh, but if we're talking about a deal from Sacramento in general, those are the, the top two names. But basically... So Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, he, he mentioned the comment the other day that uh, the Atlanta Hawks are, quote unquote, open for business, you know, outside of Trey Young and, and Clint Capella. And I bring up that seemingly random point just to say Sacramento's not much different, in my personal opinion. You know, you're you're looking at De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton, who they're, they're looking to hold on to if they can. Uh, they're not, you know, quote unquote, untouchable, but they're looking to hold on to those two. But Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, uh, I believe to a degree, even Rashawn Holmes, uh, for the right deal, they can all be had. And I think for especially Bagley, Tristan Thompson, uh, Buddy Heald, um, and Harrison Barnes, that, that the Kings are actively looking for deals they can make involving those players. Yeah, for me personally, if I'm the Sixers, I wouldn't want Buddy Heald they need to go for perimeter defense. And Harrison Barnes is the ultimate 3 and D player in the NBA, even though he's struggling this year. I would go for Harrison Barnes if I'm the Sixers. I've tried to get him. That that would be my go-to guy. Now, I did want to ask you about Marvin Bagley a bit because I, I don't watch Kings games. But my opinion is that they're, they, they didn't develop him, one. Two they're playing him out of position. I know he's not great defensively, but like, I think he can be better than what they're using him as. And I think they should be trying to develop him as a, as a, as a center. Cause he has the offensive game to be good as a center, but they're not using them. So any thoughts on that real quick, just to go down that little rabbit hole for a second. Yeah. I think that you're absolutely right. First of all, that, uh, you know, the team didn't develop him as they should have. Um, first of all, let's, you know, let's, let's call it what it is. He was the wrong pick. Oh, yeah. Flat out. That, that's oh, what it was. But, but moving on, you know, like controlling what you can control. Uh, you know, the Kings absolutely mishandled his development. You know, that is that is very clear. I actually fully agree with you that he should be a center. He needs to bulk up a little bit to, to properly do that. But, uh, you know, what they immediately should have done is, is had him work in the right in the weight room and uh, immediately start working on defense. You know, let him be a rim running athlete for the time being and uh, you know, just just have him work on his tendencies, ha- have him work in the low post, work on blocking shots, everything like that. Uh, and, you know, there was a chance to turn him. It, was he going to become a superstar like that? You know, maybe not. But you start there and then you work on expanding his range from there on out. And uh, you're, you're probably looking at a player who's not uh, not noticeably worse than, say, DeAndre, Ayton, I think, honestly. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm kind of with Lucas where I'm, I'm pretty much out on Buddy Heel. You know, I, I think he'd look pretty good next to Joel. It's not even a fit issue. Like off the bench, you can do a lot worse than Buddy Heel next to Joel and stuff. But 
like the attitude issues over the years. He's not much of a defender. He's just pretty much worse than several guards Philly already has in the rotation. Just for that salary number, I'm not I'm not really in a buddy heel. Um, I I like Barnes. Like if it is Halliburton, which again doesn't seem crazy likely at this point, as you said, Zach. But their salary wise, you need to match. I think Barnes is the guy there. Um, I mean, 16 points. He's shooting like. 45% from the field, 43% from three. He, I don't think he's struggling, like you said, Lucas. I think Harrison's been pretty pretty great this year. I, I, I'm a pretty big believer in him as a player. Um, and he'd be a pretty hand-in-glove fit next to Joel. I think him and Tobias would be fine together. Like Harrison Barnes, again, isn't a guy who needs to dominate possession. So I, I'd be really interested in Harrison Barnes. I think he'd be my next guy up behind the two guards. But... Um, yeah, He'll yeah I can definitely him. understand the interest in Harrison Barnes. You know, that's that's something that I think is just common around the league. You know, Barnes, yeah. in theory, fits so many different teams. And there was, you know, for, for a while, there was a conversation around trying to add Harrison Barnes to the Sixers team, you know, next to Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid. And, you know, there was, there was a conversation that, that I thought and, and still think is uh, a little – facetious about well Harrison Barnes is too redundant for Tobias Harris and you know when you look at at you know what they actually do I, I kind of disagree and, and the biggest reason I'll say so is that Tobias Harris is so much more involved in the mid-range game uh, you know he, he's looking at uh, roughly about three mid-range shots per game <clears throat> as of right now whereas you know Harrison Barnes Barnes will work on on driving perhaps a little bit more than he should he really should focus up on on purely being an outside shooter but uh, he's not working on the mid-range game so much, which doesn't it, it wouldn't clog up the lane for Joel Embiid as much. Uh, you know, when you look at Harrison Barnes, so Tobias Harris has taken 98 mid-range shots in 33 games. Harrison Barnes has only taken 14 in 40 games. Okay, so that, that's a stark difference right there. So whether I, I think Harrison Barnes is low usage and Tobias is high usage, and that's why they would work. And Tobias can take on the lesser of the two uh, forwards that they're playing against, whoever that is. Sure. And then Harrison can guard the better one. Yeah, theoretically, that that would work fine. You know, they, they can work together. Barnes is clearly a great fit next to Joel Embiid. Honestly, in my opinion, I think it's worthwhile uh, experimenting a trade involving Harrison Barnes and Tobias Harris. You know, there's been you guys would around. not do that. You guys wouldn't do that. I well, would love to do that, but you guys wouldn't. Well, I, I mean, the money-wise alone. Well, no, of course. But I, I think that there is a pathway to this. You know, the, the Kings. Would the know, Kings do? But if we took, so, took Buddy Heald and and Harry Barnes and we sent maybe a two second rounders or per, heavily protected first, would you guys do with Tobias Harris? Well, all right. So I'll, I'll just flesh out my idea here. Like, so the, the trade I was actually thinking of was uh, Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald. You do with the take on Heald's contract. Uh, mm-hmm. And Tristan Thompson, right, expiring about $9 million deal. Okay. Uh, for Tobias Harris, Verkan Korkmaz, and Danny Green. Can't so trade Korkmaz this season. Uh, he yes. actually can be traded oh, as, can uh, he? yesterday. Uh, okay. Yeah, so there's the, that That was a common thing going around. So it looks like Fanspo, uh, you know, who their draft machine's fantastic, in my opinion. I use it all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it initially was mentioning March 3rd as the as the date, but uh, it, it since came to light that actually January 15th for Korkmaz, much like okay. John Collins. Uh, so it, anyway, the point is uh, Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson for Tobias Harris, Korkmaz, Danny Green. And, and you know, if the Sixers need to include second round picks from there, which they might, 
uh, then then that works out fine as well. Because the Kings, they're really suffering without a true small forward. Buddy Heald is a much more movable player than Tobias Harris. So uh, basically the concept is that you add Barnes, who's a valuable player now and going forward. Thompson's off the books after the year. Heald is helpful in small doses, and you can most likely unload him in the offseason. All right, so for you, Zach, just broad strokes here. With all the names that have been mentioned in connection to Ben, what are some specific like player tendencies that Philly fans should be aware of with these guys? Mm-hmm. Things that might be good, things that might be bad, make them think twice. Yeah, I you know I I, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head earlier when we were talking about Buddy Heald and, and that's his attitude now. In a winning situation, does that change? Perhaps you know I think that that is even almost likely. Uh, so maybe it's not an issue in Philadelphia, but maybe it still is. You know, the, he takes plays off. Uh, you know, there's there's times where it looks like he's taking games off. Uh, obviously, there were times this year where after a loss to the Lakers, you know, he's he's chatting up with the Lakers, and you know, it's it looks like one of those uh, Kyrie Kevin Durant let's team up kind of moments. Uh, you know, I, I think that is something realistically that Sixers fans should be aware of if they're considering adding Buddy Heald. Um, maybe that's outweighed by his production as a as a streaky shooter. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But uh, other than Heald, Harrison Barnes, I think is he's a fantastic leader. He will never be as aggressive as you want him to be. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of his his pro con right there is that you know he he's going to be great in the locker room. Like if he does replace Tobias Harris, like we were loosely talking about earlier, he's going to be really good in the locker room. He's going to be really good for the community. We're getting into some more game action now that the Sixers recently had two straight wins. Hooray, hooray. And we're going to first start out with the Miami Heat win in Miami. So, Zach, uh, what do you think about this win for the Sixers on the road? Yeah, so, uh, you know, for those who, who don't know, and I'm, I'm also the uh, managing editor for Philly Sports Network talking about their Philadelphia 76ers. So, you know, I mentioned earlier, I grew up a Sixers fan. I'm still writing about the Sixers. And so with all that being said, I couldn't be happier after that win in Miami. I mean, Joel Embiid absolutely went to work in that second half. And, and it was his turnaround that I think was the biggest uh, impression left on me, just how he, he clicked in that second half there. Yeah, I mean – you know, God bless Joel. He's he's really special. Um, he's been killing it lately. It's we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about the Celtics game. It's kind of a bummer that Doc didn't let him like go back in and get five more points. So this thirty point game streak would be going on still. But um, yeah, look, he is just shooting up the MVP ladder right now. He's the hottest player in the NBA. Um, Tyrese Maxey. Not his most prolific game, but he had some some pretty great moments. That block on Kyle Lowry comes to mind. Mm-hmm. That four-point play at the end was kind of the nail in the coffin. That was fun. Really good Seth Curry game. One of Tobias's best games in a long time. Um, you know, it was a pretty impressive effort on the second night of a back-to-back on the road. You know, Miami was on the second night of a back-to-back too, but Philly had a late-night flight. They looked kind of down and out there early you know late in that second half early in that third quarter and they fought back and that's not always easy to do when you're on the road on the second out of a back-to-back um joel was fighting through an elbow injury you're down a few players as always has been the case this year so it's a really impressive win and 
Sixers have won nine out of ten. They look a lot like that team that was eight and two early in the year. They look like a team that's going to be able to make some noise in the East this season. I, I don't want to you know, go overboard and say they're going to you know, challenge Brooklyn and Milwaukee or as is. I, I, they probably need a bin trade to do that. But they look really good, and all the pieces seem to fit. The energy around the team is a lot better than I think we would have anticipated coming into the year with how the bin thing was dragging out. And there's there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, you guys hit on a lot of great points. Um, is it just me, or does Forkon Korkmaz seem like the the right option to have starting moving forward? Like, I like Matisse, but offensively, it's been, I don't know. The right option is Danny Green, if he's healthy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, like, they're like plus 11 per 100 possessions with Danny on the floor and minus 11 per 100 with Matisse on the floor with the starters, I think, is the stat I saw. So they're Danny's pretty clearly the guy if he's healthy. Uh, okay, fair enough. The other thing that I want to mention here is that Charlie Brown Jr., new two-way contract guy. Guys, he's an NBA defender, and I have confidence the offense will come along. He just needs time to develop. But I think he's going to be one of those because he's going to be able to play the rest of the regular season. There's no game limits for these uh, two-way contract guys for the rest of the re- season because of new COVID rules. Guys, I like Charlie Brown, and even when they're healthy, I almost want to see him in the regular rotation when you have both Danny and and Matisse because I like his perimeter defense. They give He gives them a little size, and most importantly, athleticism. Outside of Tyrese Maxey, is there really any – and Matisse Thibel to a degree. Is there really any athletic players on this team? I mean, Joel Embiid's huge, and he can jump. But you know what I mean, like athlete, athlete. He's an athlete, which I like. Yeah. Yeah, outside of Matisse Thibel, he he, you know, and 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 possibly even more so, he might be the most athletic player uh, on this roster. And obviously, we're not mentioning Ben Simmons at a moment like this, but yeah, uh, he's been really impressive. I refer to him as Sticky, uh, you know, against the Miami Heat game. That's just he sticks to his man. You know, he just mm-hmm. he has that that ability to to move his feet quick, and uh, he doesn't lose his footing, and he he stays right in front of his guy. So he's definitely someone that I want to see more of going forward if the roster's at full health. You're probably looking at him taking a lot of Isaiah Joe's minutes, knowing Doc Rivers mm-hmm. and uh, possibly some of Furkan Korkmaz's. And while we want as many Isaiah Joe minutes as we can get, if it, instead it's Charlie Brown in there, it's it's a lot more palatable. Uh, like, I mean, that's what I was about to say, though. Like, Isaiah Joe hasn't given us pretty much anything this year. I think he's become tradable. I, th- I think he's tradable, Chris. It breaks my heart. Who's going to, who wants him? He doesn't have much value. He just hasn't done anything yet. So I, I don't know if he's something you can like offload for a, a good player. Either. I mean, you, you would include him in a Simmons trade as player filler. I, sure. I think so. I think yeah. that he can, he can still fill that kind of role. You know, there, there are teams that would be interested in a player. I mean, for thinking of Sacramento, I wouldn't mind adding Isaiah Joe. You know, I mean, am I going to trade Halliburton for Isaiah Joe? Absolutely not. But you know that that's a, a positive asset that I'd be receiving back in that trade. So yeah, uh, I he, he you're definitely right, Chris. He's not been the player a lot of us were expecting. Can you put some of that on the inconsistent minutes? I think that's definitely a valid point. But at the same mm-hmm. time, we got to remember Isaiah Joe's not Clay Thompson like a lot of people were acting like during the off season. I mean, it was just a matter too of kind of unfair expectations set for him also. So uh, he's he's been fine. He's still young. He's still developing. I want to see him in Delaware a lot. 
Uh, I want to see him in blowout situations a lot. I, I think that there's a, a time and a place for Isaiah Joe, and I think he will be a player, but I'm not going to get mad if we're getting a legitimate defender in there, which the Sixers uh, are short on. I will say this, if Charlie Brown keeps this up, if he keeps up this play, he's going to get himself an, a regular contract from the Sixers this offseason. And having a hometown guy like that get contract, icing on the cake. Yeah, let's talk about the Celtics, who the Sixers also beat. Um, you know, beating Boston and Miami back-to-back nights is a pretty sweet deal. Um, 111-99 was the final score. Um 25 for Joel. This is the one game in like the past month that he hasn't scored 30 points, but still a pretty strong outing from him. 13 rebounds, six assists, a steal and a block. Um, 23 from Tyrese in this game, hit five of seven from three, which I know is just naturally very exciting. Uh, 17 from Curry and Harris. What were some of your big takeaways from the Boston game, Zach? Uh, well, first of all, Tyrese Maxey, I thought performed fantastic uh, during that game. And, <laughs> It was really just kind of a, you know, uh, a good old gut punch right at the start of the game, the way that Philadelphia handled the Celtics defensively. I mean, only giving up 14 points in the first quarter. Um, you know, that's that's what Philadelphia needs to do more often because at full health, even at partial health like they were against the Celtics, that's what they're capable of defensively. They just haven't always played like that. So, you know, the, the addition that Matisse Thibel had, uh, the impact that Joel Embiid had, just uh, absolutely fantastic right from the jump, and that's the mentality they should have going forward. I, I Interesting uh, stat that I saw after the game. When both Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey scored 20 points each, at least 20 points each, the Sixers are 3-0. and And me and Chris have talked about this on the past, Zach, but if they both can play up to an all-star potential, which I think – we all probably think that, yeah, Maxi has all-star potential, at least most of, most of us, not Jonathan Guy, who was our contributor guest last time. But not picking on you, Jonathan, promise. But, no, most Sixers fans think that Maxi has all-star potential. Um, and this game was another just example of just how hot he can get from the three-point line. And I suspect that this will become more of the norm as the season goes on, and especially next season, because we know his worth ethic, and he is going to work on this shot all off season. I'm not even worried about that. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about the accuracy, it's you're already seeing the results of that. I mean, he's fantastic shooting the ball any which way. You know, if he's creating a shot, if it's a step back, if it's a, a corner catch and shoot, like whatever it is, his shot from deep, like he's shooting 40% from three in, in like every single individual type of three point shot that you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's very impressive what he's already been able to do. And now, you know, he has Joel Embiid in his ear who's, who's coaching him on the volume. You know, mm-hmm. letting, you know, like Maxi, you know, you can hit this shot, do it more often, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's been a huge help to Maxi this season. It's only going to be more helpful going forward. Uh, personally, I do think Maxi has an all-star ceiling. Uh, it's just a matter of him being aggressive enough to go out there and take it. Yeah, it is aggression. And part of that is learning to play with Joel. And I will say this, I will contribute part of his off night in Miami being part of a back-to-back and him being a young player, not knowing how to pace himself, maybe uh, that, that could be part of it. Also, Kyle Lowry is a good defender. <laughs> so there's that too, playing yeah. against Kyle Lowry versus Dennis Schroeder. And I don't think Maxi was like particularly bad in Miami either. Um, I mean, he had, what was it? Four of 
12, was it? It was um, four of 11, one of four from three. He's 21 years old. Give him some time. Exactly. Exactly. And where where I think Philly's so lucky is that, like, with Joel and Tyrese Maxey, they have two of the absolute hardest working people in the NBA. Like, those are two guys who just find new ways to get better almost every night, it seems. They just pull out new tricks. They get better. Maxey's clearly a guy who's willing to take criticism, to analyze his weaknesses, to practice what he needs to practice. Like, that's not entirely common for guys his age was a that a, guys, was, was that a shot at ben no no <laughs> but like joel and maxi just worked their tails off and i i think it's pretty special um obviously it's nice when you get to beat al horford josh richardson and Ennis freedom in the same night that's always <laughs> fun um you know uh there's a lot of horford chatter on the twitter sphere that night i i did i stayed away from it but you know, it, it's always nice to beat Boston. I, I think that's just a pleasant feeling. It's nice to beat Miami. It's not the same feeling, but with where the Jimmy stuff was left, it's nice to beat them. And Miami's a really good team. Like, just going back to that for a second, Miami's the number two seed in the East right now. They're a real contender, and that was a really gutsy win for Philly. That was a statement win. So I, I think these just two games in general have been really strong uh, bounce back from that Charlotte game, which was a bit of a letdown. But again, they won nine of ten. You're not going to win ten of ten very often. But they're Philly's on a roll right now, and they they look really good. Chris, it should be noted after that Miami win, the Sixers are only a half game out of the fourth spot uh, on the coattails of the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, Sixers when health when Joel Embiid is healthy. And this might hurt Ben Simmons' trade value a little bit, but honestly, they're still a top team in the East now, at least during the regular season. Well, uh, let's just say I don't want to face Milwaukee in the first round. Oh, no, no, I wouldn't either. <laughs> Absolutely not. But That'd be I'm... a really disappointing outcome. Well, I think I think in a few weeks these standings are going to look quite a bit different. Uh, you know, obviously, Zach Levin is, is out for at least the next week. Kevin Durant's going to be out. Yeah. Four to six for Kevin Durant, exactly. You know, Miami's getting Bam back. Yeah, Miami's getting Bam back. That's going to help. You know, it's 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 never something that you root for. It's a really unfortunate part of the game. It's one that's affected the Sixers a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but injuries are just a fact of the game, and it's part of the ebbs and flows of the regular season. And uh, based on where everything's at at the moment, it stands to reason. Yes, Brooklyn has uh, Kyrie Irving back, but even still. Uh, these standings could very well look different in a matter of three, four, five weeks. First off, Chicago Bulls, I feel bad because they've lost basically their three options at power forward for prolonged times. Pat Williams is out for the whole season. Javante Green's out with injury. They just lost um, Derek Jones Jr. as well to injury. So they're thin at the power forward spot. We're going to talk about Joel Embiid and more of his comment when he's talked about the team status regarding coming up to the NBA trade deadline. He said this to uh, Tim Bontemps of ESPN. There's really no urgency to change anything. I think we got everything we need. We're going to keep on going, and I'm happy. Zach, what, what do you think about these comments, and do you agree that the Sixers have everything that they need? Uh, I think it's a little bit of team speak. You know, I, th- I think it's a little bit of, uh, you know, we all we got, we all we need. And uh, not not to say that Embiid is wrong, 
I think it's an example of him being a, a much improved leader this season and, and showing faith in, uh, in his teammates and uh, you know those who are taking the court with him. Are they far off? I don't think that they are. I mean, I think this team is, has been incredibly impressive, uh, whether you're talking about MVP candidate Joel Embiid or uh, if you're talking about you know, free agent signings, Georges Niang and Andre Drummond. I think that the whole team has really, for the most part, come together and uh, has played impressively enough that they could do some interesting things in the postseason. Now, I would feel a little bit better with a Ben Simmons trade if it had a good return, obviously. Uh, but at the same time, the level of success that they've seen has kept me from feeling the, the desperation to go out there and trade Ben Simmons for you know Gordon Hayward or whatever. So I, I think that there is some truth to it, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I Like, obviously, they've won 9 out of 10. They have been a very good team and healthy this season. Anytime you have Joel on the floor playing at the level he's playing at right now, you have a puncher's chance in any series, in any game. Joel, being as good as he is, gives you that. I think the team is pretty well built around him right now. The pieces seem to click. There's a lot of positive energy. That's all true. Do they? Would I bet on Philly to do a whole lot in the playoffs as currently built? Not really. Like I think... Miami, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, even maybe Chicago, those are all teams that are still probably ahead of Philly. I mean, Philly's probably third or fourth at best in the East right now if I was power-ranked the contenders. So mm-hmm. I I think a bin trade would help. I don't think they should trade them just for anything. That's been my motto since the summer. You know, obviously you have to get something of significance in return. As you said, I'm not, I'm not trading it for Gordon Hayward. But if they can get a reasonable deal – I don't think the offers are going to magically get a whole lot better over the summer. Obviously, there's hope that Lillard or Harden asks out, but I, I feel like you cross that bridge when it, you know, when you come to it. And that's kind of where I'm at. I don't think you really need to be like holding out hope for Damian Lillard right now. So, yeah, I I think they should have some level of urgency with Ben. I don't think him sitting at home all season is the best best case scenario, but. Philly has every right to be confident. Joel has every right to be confident. He's playing as well as anyone in the league right now. The Sixers are playing as well as any team in the league right now. They clearly are a lot better than I think the like, general consensus on them would be right now. If you just ask people around the league, I, I don't think people are quite appreciate how good Philly is as built. Do they have a ways to go? Yes. Are they the best of the best? No, but they do have a lot going for them. So I, I, I see where Joel is coming from. I agree with you, Zach. That's just what you have to say to the media. That's part of it. But at some point, like, a bin trade would be nice, I think. I mean, a bin trade would be ideal. Like you guys said, you got to get something worth value for him. But looking at this team right now, and this all depends on matchups. Now, if the Sixers had to play the uh, Bucks or maybe the Cavaliers in the first round I or, or the Nets, I don't feel great about that personally. But if they got maybe like Miami or Chicago or any of the teams below six, I feel like they could get out of that first round. Um, I I think they could beat Miami. I think they could beat Chicago. They've already locked Chicago twice already this season, actually. Um, I think it's matchup dependent for the Sixers. And honestly, like the East is wide open unless – 
unless the Nets can convince Kyrie to get the vaccine, then I, as far as I'm concerned, the East is wide open now. I still think the Bucks are my team to get out of the East, personally. Um, but could there be a shakeup? Sure. Unless the Nets get Kyrie to get the vaccine, I just don't see there being a clear-cut favorite. Well, Zach, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, we would recommend that all our listeners go check out royalpain.com for all your Kings needs. If you have the interest, obviously check out Philly Sports Network as well. Zach, if you want to plug your social media stuff, uh, you know, the floor is yours. Thank you again. Uh, you know, you can check myself out on Twitter at Zach Chavo. That's C-I-A-V-O-N-B-A. Uh, and again, that's at Twitter. So. Thanks for having me on again, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and to all our listeners, as always, thanks to you guys for tuning in to yet another week's episode of the Sixers Sense podcast. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow if you can. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixers Sense. You can listen to the pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Audible, or at our website, thesixersense.com, where you can read our written work as well. And until later this week, peace out, everyone. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.